Welcome to the podcast. We have two announcements for this month. Firstly, the book Through the Bible with Lance Lambert, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, is officially available for purchase. This Bible study book was transcribed from the messages that Lance gave at Halford House and includes Lance's thoughts on Ezra and Nehemiah's return to Jerusalem and the recovery of the city, as well as his thoughts on the hidden work of the Lord in Esther's Babylonian exile. He also contrasts the Lord's presence and dealings with his people in these two cities. If you are interested in learning more about this, please visit our website. Secondly, the book Reigning with Christ is 25% off for the month of September. You can find both of these books on our website, and I am leaving the links in the description of this podcast. That is all for the announcements. Let's start the podcast. You're listening to a podcast by Lance Lambert Ministries. For more information on this ministry, visit lancelambert.org. In this episode, Lance teaches from Isaiah 41 about the Lord's purpose in making and using His people as sharp threshing instruments, and how He uses us to beat down mountains and make the cliffs as chaff for the purpose of a harvest. Let's listen. Isaiah and chapter 41. Sure the Lord has something to say from this passage to us today. A well-known passage. I'm going to read it again, although we've had it already. But thou, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken hold of from the ends of the earth and called from the corners thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that are incensed against thee shall be put to shame and confounded. They that strive with thee shall be as nothing and shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them, even them that contend with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I have made thee to be a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small, and thou shalt make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them, and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord, and shalt glory in the Holy One 
of Israel. <clears throat> Shall we just bow together in a further word of prayer? Our Father, we do thank Thee that we believe Thou hast something to say to us, something perhaps very simple, but Lord, nevertheless, something from Thy heart. And we pray, Lord, that we may have anointed ears, and I pray that I may have anointed lips. We come by faith under the anointing that is upon the head, our Lord Jesus Christ, that together we may hear and receive of thee today. We pray, Lord, for all amongst us who are in need, some perhaps unknown to us. Lord, meet those needs, we pray, according to thy word. Uh, we pray, Lord, for thy people who suffer in other parts of the earth. Meet them, Lord, this day, we pray, especially those who perhaps face very real privation or difficulty. Be with them, Lord, this day, according to thy word and promise. And Lord, oh, we pray again, wilt thou equip and prepare thy people throughout the world for the days that are coming upon us. Thou hast said, the night cometh when no man can work. We pray, Lord, that we shall be a people who are so empowered by thee and so equipped by thee that we shall be unable to work until it is no longer possible. We ask it together now, Lord, praying out use this word to that end in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. From this very well-known passage, there are just three things that I want to underline. In one sense, Eric's already uh, focused our attention upon one particular matter. But uh, one matter I want to underline is in verse 15. What is the object of the Lord's speaking here when he speaks to Jacob, to Israel, to his people? Why? Here it is in verse 15. Behold, I have made thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. In other words, God is speaking to his people here because he has a very real and a defined objective. He wants to make us a sharp threshing instrument, a sharp new threshing instrument having teeth. That is, he wants the job done efficiently. He wants the job done properly and efficiently. He wants to have in his own hands the kind of equipment which can get a job done. You all know what it is to use a job, uh, to use an instrument, to use a tool or some machine which has somehow or other got blunted or has become abused. Uh, in the way it's been used, so that it no longer does the job efficiently and properly. We know quite a lot of that here in this place. But I'm sure you all know something of it, where somehow or other, something gets blunted 
or somehow doesn't do the job that it ought to do. You've got to take twice the time with it, or you've got to go to far greater lengths to get the job done. God speaks here to his people and says, I have made thee a new, sharp, threshing instrument having teeth. That is something that in my hand can be used to get a job done properly and efficiently. Now what is a threshing instrument for? Oh, someone says, it is to get rid of the chaff. You are perfectly right, but perfectly negative. Then someone else says, well, it is in order to uh, get the grain. Yes, you are perfectly right again, but surely we can put it in one word. The whole point of a threshing instrument is a harvest. That's the whole point of the threshing instrument. It's not there as an antique. And it's not there as an objet d'art. Something to be admired, something to be hummed and hard about. It, you don't put a threshing instrument on your mantelpiece. You don't sort of put it in some chosen spot where its beauties can be seen by everybody. This um, instrument, this tool, is this machine, if you like, is something which is utilitarian. It is, it's got a use. It, it's a practical use. And the whole point of a threshing instrument is to thresh corn, thresh wheat, so that we get a harvest. God says to his people here in this passage, what I long for is not just that you will enjoy me. I want you to enjoy me. What I long for is not just that you will be satisfied. I want you to be satisfied. What I long for is a harvest. What I want to do is to take hold of you and make you in, into an instrument through which I can harvest something. The Lord Jesus once said, lift up your eyes and see. The fields are white already unto a harvest. And few there be that labor therein. Now this harvest is not only just a question of getting souls saved. It is even more than that. It is a question of seeing the whole mystery of God completed. Finished. Accomplished. The work of God done. The top stone brought forth with those great shouts of grace. Grace unto it. It's a harvest for God. You know the very first words God ever uttered to a human being what to do with a harvest. Be fruitful and multiply, he said. And when the flood had wiped out the whole inhabited earth, the first words God said to Noah and the seven with him were, be fruitful and multiply. God is infinitely interested in a harvest. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and appointed you that ye should go and bear much fruit, 
and that your fruit should remain. God is interested in a harvest. The Lord Jesus said, By their fruits ye shall know them, not their leaves or their bark. But by their fruit ye shall know them. A harvest. That's how you can tell whether a thing is really of God. As to whether there is a real harvest. Whether lives are growing in grace. Whether something more of Christ-likeness is coming into people's lives. Whether situations are being truly touched. Whether men and women are getting saved. A harvest. A new sharp. Threshing instrument, oh, God says to his people in this marvelous passage. He says to them, you know my whole plan for you, Israel. You know my whole plan for you, my people, is that you should be an instrument in my hands by which I can bring in a harvest. And what is this harvest? Well, here it is in another way. If you want to look at it in another way, it's bread. Food. Supply. Sustenance. Oh, God says, I want you. Not that you will just be satisfied. Not that you will just enjoy yourself. But that I can use you to provide bread for others. So that other hungry and needy, famished, and poverty-stricken lives and hearts may be met because I have made you an instrument in my hands. A harvest. You will also notice here that he says, Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small, and shalt make the hills as chaff. Now so often mountains and hills in the Bible speak of difficulties. They speak of the problems that beset the people of God. I think you all know that if you live on a plain or flat country, communication is not a hard thing. But if you live in mountainous country, why a simple journey as the crow flies will take, I don't know how long, I know parts of the world where it takes what would, would take here an hour, two or three days because of mountainous ranges that lie between. Now, says the Lord, I want to make you a new, sharp, threshing instrument having teeth. And you see these impossibilities that face you. You see this kind of problem that's in front of you. I'm going to take you. I'm not going to go before you and blow on it so that it just disappears. That's what some people want. They want the Lord just to go before them and blow on the. No, says the Lord in this particular passage, I want to take you. And I want to use you. I want to bring you into, con into contact with those mountains and with those hills so that they disappear through your instrumentality. In other words, I want to take hold of you as a new sharp threshing instrument and beat the mountains small and uh, make the hills as chaff. And then he goes on, thou shalt winnow them and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them, and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord. Thou shalt 
glory in the Holy One of Israel. There's nothing like rejoicing when it comes through a harvest. I feel sorry for people who are only able to rejoice in the Lord because they're just enjoying Him themselves on their own. That's a marvelous thing to enjoy the Lord. Just to, but have you ever known of the absolute joy that can fill the heart when there's something else for someone else? It's, an, it's a new joy that comes into your heart. It's the joy of the Lord when someone else gets helped. Ninety-nine safely in the fold, all rejoicing in the shepherd. But out goes the shepherd to get the one, and he brings him back. And there's rejoicing. He just can't contain himself. He has to go to his neighbors and knock them all up and say, Come on, rejoice with me. I found the sheep that was lost. Maybe they were a bit sour about it. But not the shepherd. He was instrumental in bringing back the one sheep. And his heart is absolutely full. And so it always is when there's a harvest. Thou shalt, thou shalt rejoice in the Lord. Thou shalt glory in the Holy One of Israel. Why? Because you and I, unworthy, insignificant human beings, saved by the grace of God, have been used. To bring in God's harvest. What greater joy can there be in heaven. In the kingdom that is coming. When we stand before the Lord. And see that one and that one and that one and that one. That we were instrumental in leading to the Lord Jesus. Could there be anything more wonderful than to hear the Lord's words. My dear child. You were instrumental in the building of my church. You played such a small part you thought. But in my eyes, it was precious. Won't that be worth everything? Just to hear such a word from the Lord? Then you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. You'll do a dance. You'll clap your hands. You'll be filled with the joy of the Lord. Because you've been instrumental in bringing about the purpose of God. In achieving the objective of God. Mountains beaten small. Now here's another little thought in this matter. These mountains are all around us today. We've got the permissive society. That's a mountain. We've got the whole current of life today that is flowing in the other direction. It's another great problem. Sometimes we wonder, how can we really put the gospel over? How can we reach men and women? How is there going to be a harvest from all this that we see against us? But God says, now listen, I've made you a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. I will bring you into contact with just this kind of thing, the permissive society. And all that seems to be flowing against my purpose. And I'll beat the whole thing small and I'll winnow it now when you winnow something it's to get rid of the chaff and keep the grain I don't know if any of you have ever seen winnowing you don't see it much now here in this country but in the east you do you see those ladies throwing up they've got great big straw flat baskets and they throw up the grain and the wind comes and it falls back they throw it up again and then it comes back and gradually the wind blows away the chaff. And then they're left with all the grain. They tip it onto the, onto the pile of corn. The harvest. 
God says you'll do that with the problems that are in front of us. He says it to us as the people of God, the church of God. I will use you, I'll make you this instrument. Do you see? And this impossible situation you see in your nation, in your country, in the land in which you live, God says I, can, I, I will make you a sharp threshing instrument having teeth so that you will winnow it. There's a harvest in it. Does anyone really believe that? Sometimes, you know, we can succumb to satanic propaganda. No, there's going to be less and less and less people saved. Somehow or other, this situation is going to get worse and worse and worse. This is not true. It says in the book of Joel, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. The very fact of confusion, of chaos, of disruption, of disintegration, of the giving way of one whole format in society to another means that people are uncertain. They're looking for something. There are much people in this city. The Apostle Paul once said, and there wasn't one of them saved when he said it. Much people. God has an elect people in this nation. They will come from the four corners of the nation. God has an elect people in this world. They will come from the four corners of the earth. But oh, to be instrumental in bringing them in. Oh, to be the threshing instrument that God can use in his hand. So that he can winnow these mountains that seem so hard and so unyielding and so grim and foreboding. Have faith. Will you also notice that the tense here is in the past? It's not in your authorized version. There is some discussion as to the tense. But I think it is in the past. Here it is. I have made thee. Isn't that a wonderful thing? When God got hold of the Apostle Paul, he was absolutely nothing. He was a newborn babe. And the Lord said, I have chosen thee. Thou art a chosen vessel unto me. You've already done it. In God's sovereignty in the power of God he'd already done it and this is what God says to you and me he says I have made thee I have made thee not I will but I have step into it give yourself over to me I've made you this thing don't just let your knees shake together and say no 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 it's impossible not I it's no good don't just look at the situation around you the mountains and the hills. God says, I have made you a new sharp threshing instrument. Don't just think, well, Lord, if you get me into your hand, you're going to have a lot of troubles. The Lord says, I have made you a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. In other words, a beautifully new, well-ground machine. You're just the job. God says, I have made thee a new sharp pleasure. Now, this is not in yourself. Not at all. But God says, in my son, in me, I have made you a new sharp pleasure instrument. Now, that leads me to this next thing I just want you to notice. In verse 14, fear not thou worm, Jacob. Fear not thou worm, Jacob. Behold, 
I have made thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. Have you ever heard such a paradox? A worm. Is there anything more unlike a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth than a worm? Brother Shaw will probably put me right, but as far as I know, I've never seen any teeth in a worm. Maybe it has got teeth somewhere, but the fact of the matter is, there is nothing softer, more sort of all over the place, more that you can push about than a worm. Is there anything more unlike a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth? Is there anything sharp about a, a worm? <coughs> Not at least to the naked eye. Maybe it's one of those mysteries. But I, I, to the naked eye, there's the worm is the opposite to a new sharp fleshing instrument having teeth. How can God say, Fear not thou worm, Jacob? I have made thee a new sharp fleshing instrument having teeth. That is really the whole point. I thought it was a bit irreverent, but I was going to entitle this message, Wanted Worms. <laughs> but that is exactly what God wants. Some Christians, I'm afraid, are like snakes. They've got poison in them. Others are like greyhounds. And they're off. Some are like elephants. Everything underfoot. They'll just crush everything like a bulldozer. Oh, God says no. I want work. Now, this isn't just uh, fanciful. It is true. It took God a long time to reduce Jacob to being a worm. If there was someone who wasn't a worm, it was Jacob. Subtle, but that's not worm-like. A worm is a quite harmless creature. Perfectly harmless. In fact, in many ways, worms are rather sweet. <laughs> Meek. Soft. Jacob was not like that. He was not a meek man. He was not a soft man in that sense. He was not a person who hadn't got poison in him. He was quite the opposite. But oh, God worked on Jacob until he brought him to the place where the poison had gone, where he was like a worm, and where he knew that he was only a worm. Don't you think that's why Jacob, when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, why Jacob took hold of that angel of the Lord in, and in the most desperate and violent grasp held on to the angel and wouldn't let him go? For the first time he saw what he was and he knew that unless God came in and did something, there was absolutely no hope at all. And God did. God came in and church changed Jacob into Israel. But now, just look at this. 
verse 8. But thou, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen. Can you understand such a thing? That God should have chosen Jacob. That he should have chosen someone like Jacob. How incredible that is. My servant Jacob. My servant Israel. My chosen Jacob. The seed of Abraham. My friend. When God speaks to us about being a new threshing instrument, he speaks to people who know they're nothing but words. So if you think you've got anything else with which you can serve the Lord, if you think that you've got some resources or some energy which you can throw into the work of God, this word is not for you. You will not be a new sharp threshing instrument. God took 40 years to get Moses down to this level. 40 years it took God to reduce him from being a powerful leader to being absolutely nothing. A dried up thorn bush in which the power of God, the fire of God, could burn. It took the Lord 21 years with David to reduce that talented and gifted leader to being absolutely nothing. So that even when he could have taken the kingdom in his own hand by slaying the king's Saul, who was in his grasp, he was as a worm and let him slip through his hands deliberately. The word of God is filled with examples of how God has to deal with us. Tell me, are you small enough for God to use you? Are you harmless enough for God to use you? Are you broken enough for God to use you? God says the moment you say, oh, I'm only a world then comes his word to you, fear not, thou worm. I have made thee a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth, the power of God in you. The character of God in you. The very nature of the Godhead in you. That's the thing that's the threshing instrument. And if you look through church history, you will find that every time God has used any man or any woman, it's been just like this. They are nothing but a worm, but it's been God manifested in them. Wanted worms. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel. 
I have made thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small, and shalt make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away. Can I not find any response in any heart this morning? Are there not any of you who are concerned with the state of this nation and with the problems that face us as the people of God? And can you not see that God doesn't want just zeal? He wants zeal, but that's not the answer. Nor even devotion. Tremendous as that is, it's not the answer. What God wants is to be able to deal with us so drastically that we become as nothing so that he might become everything. Christ all and in all. And that leads me finally just to point out to you what Eric really focused our attention upon earlier. Look at this word of God to the world whom God has made a new sharp fleshing instrument. It is just simply tremendous. Fear thou not, verse 10, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. In other words, God is saying to this worm, Jacob, don't Fear, I am hath sent you. I am hath sent you. Don't fear, I am the same. Yesterday, today and forever. There are some Christians who seem to believe that God can't do in the 20th century what he did thousands of years ago. But God can do anything. He's not changed. God is perfectly able if he wants to. There are different phases in God's economy. But God is perfectly well able to do anything that he wants to do. He's still the same. And furthermore, the word of God is the same. The 20th century is not too much for the word of God. The word of God has not been somehow circumvented, somehow um, uh, uh, paralyzed by the space age, as if sending a man around the moon has paralyzed God. God laughs. We're all as grasshoppers. He sits above the circle of the earth. Everything created was created through him. And in him everything holds together. All of us, saved and unsaved, live in him, move in him, and breathe in him. God has not changed. God is the same. There's no variation with him. No shadow cast by turning. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So listen to this word from the Old Testament. Fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. What God needs 
a people who know their words. Then the I am can be manifested. Something of the radiance of God's glory can be seen. And this is what the apostle meant when he said, not many noble, not many great, how many of the clever have been chosen, but God chose foolish things, things that are not, to confound the things that are. And then will you just notice not only the I am, but notice the I will. Verse 10, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Verse 13, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Could the Lord say it more times? Again and again and again, he reiterates this one thing. Do not fear, I will help thee. I will strengthen thee. If you're still fearful, I'll hold your hand. Think of that, the infinite God. Holding the hand of a worm-like creature, such as Jacob. I will hold thy hand. Such is the grace of God, and such is the love of God. Such is the mercy of God, that he will come to such as you and me. Well then, that's God's word to us. Jacob, my chosen Israel, my servant, the Lord said, Oh, if you would only let me deal with you, if you would only let me cut you down, if you would only let me humble you, if you would only let me make you small enough to be used, if you would only allow me to bring you down, as it were, to the earth under my mighty hand, then, says the Lord, I will exalt you. Then I will lift you up. Then, when you have become the worm, and know that you are nothing but a worm, then, says the Lord, I will speak to you. With these words, I have made thee a new sharp fleshing instrument having teeth. Thou shalt beat the mountains and thresh them. May God then help each one of us that there may be a harvest. There will be a harvest, but that we might be instrumental in bringing in that harvest. Shall we pray? Lord, we do thank thee for thy word. Oh, how amazing it is. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel. Behold, I have made thee a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. Lord, write thy word upon our hearts. Perhaps, Lord, some of us are not ready to become small enough. Oh, make us ready. Make us willing for those drastic dealings of thy spirit, Lord. Maybe others of us are just there, 
we feel we've been so dealt with, we've been reduced to the point of no, where there could be no further reduction. But, oh God, we pray that we may hear those wonderful words, fear not. Lord, we ask thee together that thou write this thy word in our hearts. May we go out, Lord, not just to know the negative side, but to know the positive, to know that word, fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. We ask all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord make you into a sharp new threshing tool. May you know the deep, deep love of Jesus.